0: Graphite, why this form of carbon is vital to a low-carbon future. Everyone knows about lithium and about how it's used in batteries for almost every electronic device, but lithium is only part of the story. Hello, I'm Anthony Day with your Sustainable Futures Report for Thursday the 13th of July. Today we're talking about graphite, and my guest is John DeMaio, CEO of Graphics Technologies and President of Graphene Division of the Graphics Group Limited. John, welcome to the Sustainable Futures Report. Anthony, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Okay. Now, I learn that your organization is amongst the top 10 producers of graphite for electrical vehicle batteries. Now, I didn't know that graphite was used for anything apart from pencils. And suddenly I find it's in EV batteries. EVs are the way to sustainability for a lot of people. So clearly this is very important and fits right in with the sustainable futures report. Just tell us more about how graphic, uh, how graphite features uh, in in these products.
1: Yeah, you bet. I mean, and that's a pretty common perception, Anthony, quite frankly. You know, much of it, well, starting with the fact that, you know, electric vehicle batteries are normally referred to as lithium ion batteries. Uh, Lithium ion batteries have been in existence since about the 70s, right? From the early, the first gas crunch, uh, if you remember back then. Oh, yes. Um, And the the chemistry has been fairly uh, consistent, you know, since that time and continues to this day. And where that where graphite comes into play, if you think of, of the, the basic battery configuration, right, and without getting too far into the weeds, you have two electrodes, a positive and a negative, right? referred to as a cathode and the anode. And a lot of the attention really um, you know, with, with the electrification movement has been on the cathode side, where you have elements like lithium and cobalt and nickel, manganese, et cetera. What people don't realize is that the other electrode, which is equally important, the anode, um, is comprised almost entirely of graphite. That's 95 to 99% of that anode is graphite. And there could be a, a combination of synthetic and natural, which we'll talk about, and then some additional elements like silicon oxide, et cetera. But again, predominantly that the anode side of the battery is is uh, graphite. So, in a lithium-ion electric vehicle battery, and let's face it, an electric vehicle is mostly about the battery, right? Um, mm-hmm. In a lithium-ion battery, you can have twenty-eight percent, or I'm sorry, fifteen times more graphite than lithium. And in fact, graphite makes up about twenty-five percent of the total volume of the battery. So, it's the largest component. By volume, in a lithium-ion electric vehicle battery, and a lot of folks don't don't really understand that or recognize that because graphite is very. It quietly goes about its business. It does its job. It's been doing it since, like I said, the seventies. Um, it's a, a natural product. Most people associate it with with uh, lead pencils um, or lubricants, et cetera. But it plays a very important role in the um, in the electrification movement. And as you mentioned, the whole sustainability movement. So it's it's very exciting for being just plain
0: graphite. So graphite is a natural material. It's dug out of the ground. It needs to be purified. So what do you have to do to uh, yeah. put it in a form where it can actually be added into a battery?
1: Yeah, you bet. So there's a shaping, purification, and coating process that really imparts the qualities that make it um, desirable for use in, in electric vehicles. So graphite in its raw form, is, is it's inert, it's stable, et cetera. But we do the refining process where, as you mentioned, it needs to be purified to almost 100%, really 99.95% carbon, then shaped into as close to spherical as we can, more like in the natural world, more like um, small potatoes, right? My, microscopic potatoes. And then coated with a coating that that controls the expansion and contraction, you know, when it's put under charge and discharge. So the process goes, you know, it's shaped uh, through a series of of milling, um, you know, processes. Then it's purified through a a chemical, you know, acid and base kind of a stripping process, if you will. Um, And then it's coated with a microscopic layer of, you know, typically asphalt. and that, you know, creates these microscopic particles that perform the way the battery chemistries you know
0: require them to. I see. Now you mentioned that uh, apart from lithium and graphite, uh, there are a number of minerals which are involved in batteries. And I think we're aware that quite a lot of them are very rare and there's a lot of conflict about how they are sourced what's the picture as far as graphite is concerned is is that rare is that difficult to find you know it, it's a great question so it's both right it's it's only it's rare from
1: the standpoint of that there are not a lot of producing mines currently for graphite um historically it has not been the most profitable mining uh, venture that that miners can do so you know for all of the capital required and the, you know, regulatory navigation, miners would probably choose other, you know, more lucrative metals, gold, you know, lithium, etc. But the good side or the, the, the positive point about graphite is that it's very abundant on the planet, right? So there are multiple deposits of graphite all around the world. Um, They just have not yet been been tapped in any large, large scale volume that's starting to change because of the demand that electric vehicles represent for for graphite. And like I said, you know, it's a a major component in the in the lithium ion battery. Um, But currently, you know, and and historically, most of the graphite that's being used in in the battery uh, environment has come from China. Mm, yeah. um, there's a huge deposit the largest one in the world right now up in uh, northeast province of China and that has provided you know 70 or to 80 percent of all graphite uh, for years but now you know again with the uh, geopolitical concerns right the, the fact that you know the, the world has become very global as uh, Yogi Berra would say um, there are you know needs there, there is need for more diversification of that upstream supply. And we as a company are exploring very many relationships with other sources of graphite, you know, everywhere from Southern African countries to Australia, uh, even Ukraine, you know, Canada for sure. And right here in the US, there's, you know, limited supply, but there is some graphite that can be made available, you know, in the
0: coming years. Right, yes, of course, the fact... um... That there's some in Canada caught my eye because that's on your doorstep, really, isn't it? Absolutely, and you
1: know, obviously a friendly nation, um, geographically desirable, as they say, uh, and very experienced in the mine. Well, experienced mining uh, country, and very actively engaged, particularly you know, the province of Quebec, in in participating in the electric vehicle, you know, this electrification movement. So a lot of of, of good alignment between. Like we see here in the us right now with uh, legislation funding you know political will and and industrial will if you if you please
0: now it says in one of your press releases that your your organization's objective is to create an end-to-end graphite processing and production capability in north america uh, does that uh, are, you, are you looking to be totally vertically integrated so that you start with a mine, uh, and what are the other stages in the in, in the uh, in the supply chain towards your final customer? Actually, no, not the mining, right? So we're
1: going mm-hmm. to you know we believe in in sticking to your knitting, so to speak, right? Yeah. So we have over a decade of experience in the refining of graphite, and I always refer to that as part art and part science. You know the way I described it a little bit earlier milling, purifying, coating sounds fairly simple and in some, you know, it's not uh, in some in some ways it's not rocket science so to speak. However, there is a lot of, of technique and and know-how associated with and if you think about it it makes sense. You're talking about, you know, we, we produce 10,000 metric tons of microscopic particles that are, you know, uh, delivered to a very exacting specification. So, that is, you know, when you're doing it on a continuous basis, you need to have a, a significant amount of experience and know how. And we've spent, you know, we spent a, a couple of years just in the development stage before we went commercial, and then have had 10 years of experience in that realm. So, when we talk about end to end, we're talking about for ourselves taking it from the mine output to the battery delivery. But when we talk about end-to-end from the OEM's perspective, that includes the mining. So what we're doing rather than getting into the mining and trying to vertically integrate into a new business, we're aligning ourselves with experienced players on that side. Right. So we have, you know, when you've seen some announcements about uh, some offtake agreements, um, and that's that's fairly straightforward. We're also exploring some joint venture um, uh, potential arrangements with mining operations, so that together we can represent what we call an industry solution, which is again from mine to battery, with experienced players at every step along the way, so that we can hit the ground running. You know, um, in this in this push for domestication, when you really think about it, Anthony. You know, as a society, particularly North America, we're looking to replace over 100 years of internal combustion, yeah. you know, technology yeah. with electric, and at the same time domesticate that, mm-hmm. right? So that's a that's that's a huge task, right? So there's a lot of infrastructure, you know, aside from just the battery production, right? We could talk about charging and, and, yeah. and that whole thing, um, because that's ne- necessary as well. But just those two items, those those two elements, um, to to bring that. Capacity online quickly. We believe that experienced players that are ready to plug and play and kind of you know do what what we've already been doing in our case ten years of experience doing this. All we're going to do now is replicate that here. That's the quickest way we think to get to you know to to build out this this muscle uh, for electrification here. I hope right. I answered your.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Your. Undoubtedly, providing your product to U.S. manufacturers, are you exporting to Europe as well?
1: Not yet. In fact, we're not yet in production in the U.S. Right, so we uh-huh. still have. We've announced our our plant in Michigan. That's yeah. probably about fifty percent along the way. We we received our our environmental permit uh, just recently. We announced that I believe, um, and now it's a question of getting you know final design, equipment ordered, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so our first you know, our first um push will be here in North America, um, US, po- possibly Canada as well, um, and then onto onto Europe. Um, you know, it's it's uh um the industry is is moving, is it's still finding its level, if you will. Um, you know, it's, it's a shift in paradigm for the automotive industry, you know, there's not an existing manufacturing base. So that all has to be built. And we're moving, like I said, into North
0: America first and then onto Europe. Right. Now, turning in a slightly different direction, your title is President of Graphene Division. Graphene, to me, I believe, is an incredibly thin sheet of carbon, one atom thick. Right. Uh, What's the application for that?
1: Yeah, so... Graphene is one of those terms that that does get not misused, but when people hear that term graphene, they think of what you're talking about the single uh-huh. sheet, the single atom layer sheet of material that has you know just superhuman properties, right? It's 200 times harder than steel, you know, transparent. I mean, it, it's just incredible conductor, etc. Yeah, uh, that particular application you know, is, is very difficult to produce. And right now there's not a, a really established, you know, commercial marketplace for it. Graphene also refers to the single layer of, of uh, single atomic layer of graphite that surrounds each particle in the, in the electric vehicle battery. So when we talk about the charge and discharge, mm-hmm. um, the, the atoms, the electrons are actually stored in the graphene layer, Of those particles, so that's what we 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 really refer to as the graphene, you know, um, the graphene layer, you know, for more practical purposes. We do have, you know, R and D in in the applications for, you know, the the graphene, you know, the the single layer sheets, um, but we're focused primarily on, you know, the production of uh, and refinement of graphite for electric vehicle batteries and 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 battery energy storage. Let's not forget that there's a, a huge Um, need for, uh, in this electrification movement, for storage, you know, for renewable energy to be um, accessible, you know, in off-peak or off-production timelines, right? That's always been the knock against renewables. The wind blows at night. We need power in the day. Sun shines during the day. We need power at night. Batteries is kind of the answer to level that out.
0: And so graphite is required in all sorts of batteries, not just those going into EVs.
1: It is. It is. And and from a, you know, a, um, a, a outlook, a future outlook for, you know, for graphite in particular, yes. You know, if, if we believe the electrification is happening, all manner of electrification requires the batteries. Even if we talk about hydrogen fuel cells, right. Um, as maybe the next evolution of, of, uh, of transport, mm-hmm. then these, there's a battery involved in that ecosystem yeah. as well. Yeah. So there's no getting around it that that batteries are part of this electric future
0: well we've got a challenging future if we are going to electrify the the whole population of global motor vehicles we really have um and there are going to be tremendous tra- uh, challenges to the supply chains from what you're saying graphite is not going to be a limiting factor uh, you you're going to, you're there to meet the demand but ultimately not it's right now. Be-
1: I mean, right now, you know, there's, there's when you th- when you think about the landscape and the announcements that the automakers are making for gigafactories. Right. Uh, yeah. a, a quick rule of thumb is if it's you know, for every gigawatt hour and factories are usually rated in gigawatt hours. So a 25 gigawatt hour factory is going to require about 20 000 to 25,000 tons of graphite to support that. So when you look at the, the outlook for gigafactories in North America, you have anywhere you know, up to uh, a terawatt, right? So you could be looking at, at 400, 500,000 tons uh, up to a million tons of graphite required. And the current capacity to refine that graphite in, in North America is zero on a commercial scale, right? So the opportunity um, is enormous you know, for, for the build out of that, of that uh, infrastructure.
0: While you were talking about your own facilities, uh, how soon are you going to be able to gear them up to full production? Yeah. So the Michigan plant, we believe we can get up in the
1: next nine to 12 months. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that will, that will deliver 15,000 tons, uh, which is appreciable in its its own right, but barely a dent in the upcoming demand. Yeah. So we're simultaneously looking at locations. In fact, we have an announcement out there with our um, our partner, Northern Graphite, um, looking at a site up in, in Quebec that could support maybe 100 to 200,000 tons of production. And we're looking at several other locations around the, the lower 48 um, for similar type of build out. So um, tackling this demand picture one plant at a time, is probably not gonna be the answer. We think that these, what we refer to as flex factories is gonna be the way uh, to address this. And what I mean by flex factory is we'll build out um, this capacity in increments based on the timing of the demand that comes online. So as gigafactories get mm-hmm. built, we can build out support or you know production to, to meet that demand. But we're looking for locations that can house these larger um, production facilities.
0: Do you ever think there might be a risk in our betting on electric vehicles? In other words, could we perhaps see fundamental changes, maybe because the electricity infrastructure simply cannot power all those vehicles, maybe because there's a move towards uh, 15-minute communities? I don't know if you've heard of them but the idea is uh, a community where everything is within 15 minutes either walk or cycle ride and right. therefore that would reduce the um demand for motor vehicles um, yeah so i'm sorry go ahead yeah well the, you know there are different scenarios but you're you're happy to bet on the ev are you
1: well we're not we're not just betting on the ev i mean ev is is representing the the most you know uh, obvious demand um and immediate demand uh, for four batteries, but 15 minute communities, I mean the the move away from fossil fuels, I think is is a one-way trip. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we can argue, not, not argue, but there can be argument made that you'll never move 100 percent away from it. and that, that that may be true. But you know, for a sustainable future, I think that electrification is is the way. whether that's again, renewable, people will argue again, uh, nuclear. Right, but we do have solar and wind available today, and other other renewables that are being developed. I've been in the space for you know 30 years, so I've seen a lot of of these these uh, technologies, and they they keep getting better, et cetera. So electrification is is, is happening. Electric vehicles, yeah, they they may take a, a different role uh, in in the future, but electrification is happening. Electrification equals batteries. Batteries equal graphite. So for us you know we're we're comfortable in our in our role um you know the question you asked might be a better one for for the electric vehicle manufacturers. Yeah. but yeah. you know we're we're bringing a basic element to the electrification movement. and right now that that's focused a lot on electric vehicles. but like I said, you know energy storage is is a a going to be a more dominant
0: player as we we move ahead. Well, come what may, I think we agree we live in exciting times. <laughs> for sure.
1: For sure. And, and this is very its very exciting for a guy that's been, you know, in the sustainable world. And again, you know, I've, I've been in uh, um, uh, energy transition before it was even called that, right? Working on you know, concentrating solar out in the Mojave Desert back in the 80s, right, with uh, molten salts and all that. Um, so, but it's always been I always refer to it as kind of pushing a rock uphill, right? That we knew it was good for the, for the environment and good for the planet, but getting it adopted was always a challenge, right? It had to make financial sense. And, you know, um, there were a lot of of pushbacks against it. Finally, we're getting to, to the point we've, we've reached the, the cross the Rubicon, I would say Mm -hmm. on this electrification movement, it's finally been accepted that we really need to do it that, you know, the, uh, Fossil fuel, you know, um, past is, is is just that. You know, we have to move ahead. So now we're seeing legislation. You know, political will equal, you know, societal will, so to speak. So you've got legislation, re, you know, resulting in funding. Funding resulting in in action. Um, so it's a very exciting time for for a guy like me and probably like you uh, that we are finally, you know, moving forward. Um, It might be chunky and there will be bumps along the way, but we've seen that before. We've seen fits and starts and stops. Um, Now, it seems like the momentum is is definitely going to carry the day.
0: John DeMaio, thank you very much for sharing your ideas with the Sustainable Futures Report.
1: You bet. My pleasure, Anthony. Anytime.
0: That's John DeMaio, CEO of GraphX Technologies. Before I go, there's another story about Just Stop Oil. At the weekend, former Chancellor George Osborne got married and a smartly dressed lady walked up to the happy couple as they left the church and showered them with orange confetti. This caused an outcry amongst the usual suspects, blaming Just Stop Oil and Pretty Patel went so far as to call them lowlife. Just Stop Oil responded by saying that they had no idea who the lady was and she was certainly nothing to do with them. Nevertheless, they were delighted with all the publicity that she generated for them. This week, President Biden visited King Charles to talk about the climate emergency. In a week when the Energy and Climate Intelligence Unit reports that some 26% of members of Parliament, 44% of Conservatives, do not understand basic climate science, let's hope that their conversation will be shared with our legislators, starting with the Prime Minister. Apparently, many MPs believe we can stop climate change without achieving net zero. Another topic for another day. Well, here we are in July, still going strong, and there will be another episode next week, although I am looking forward to a break in August. Even then, I may bring you some more interviews. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support, especially if you are a patron, and thank you for your feedback and ideas. I'm Anthony Day. That was the Sustainable Futures Report. Until next time.